This is the final message in our series on revival. We've been doing a study based on a verse in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay, so... Um, this is a wrap-up to it. This is kind of an overview of what we've done. And uh, also, in, in just a brief word, following a moon, uh, in two weeks, uh, Pastor Brennan and I will be starting a new series, and you can start reading it uh, in the New Testament, in the book of James. We're going to be studying the book of James coming up. In, on August 14th. So be ready for that and be praying also that God would do His uh, wonderful work in that time together. So, um, it'd be interesting to take a little survey or have a little questionnaire regarding uh, what have you learned regarding revival? What have you learned? Um, we've got an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along uh, in that regard, uh, watching, you know, following along that outline, great, uh, have at it. But um, we always want to uh, challenge our own selves, challenge ourselves as to what are we learning? And, it, you know, I think in a lot of places, uh, Christians can be notorious for lots of learning and just piling up stuff in the brain having uh, the radio to listen to messages every day and uh, the internet to look and, and read articles. There are great articles. Every day. You can do it every day. There's all sorts of learning. And it's very important that we understand, you know, here's where we, we started at the beginning of 2016 and started in on a section of the gospel essentials. And we need to be a people that understand the gospel. Not just to share it, but to live it. To live it in our lives, that it affects my life and your life. And thus, it can be overflowing to other people. You know, we can share with other people about the good news of salvation. But see, a lot of times we think it's that's all it is. Oh, I, I'm not that good at sharing the gospel, and that's for other you know evangelist guys. I don't have that gift. That's a wrong way of thinking, Christian. You and I need to uh, just let the understanding of the gospel soak into our minds and our lives so that we're readily familiar with it and share it with others. All too often, we're, we're basing it on the idea of church attendance. You come to church and, hey, that's, you know, you got a marker with God and your attendance is perfect. Isn't that wonderful? God doesn't care about that. And so we need to understand, what, where's, the, where's the core of this whole thing of going to church? Where is it at? And it starts with the gospel, gospel essentials. We also then uh, did a um, series on holiness because that's what ought to follow. Holiness. When you, non, when you get to know God and you, you, you walk with Him, the, the whole idea of it's not about whatever you want to do. It's about living a holy life. And a part of that then is the outflow of that is, well, you humble yourself. 
You walk in a lowly way, not in a high and mighty way. And that's a problem that Christians have because we got so much knowledge about this and that and this and that. We think, hey, we got this. And what's the matter with you? You don't understand this? You know, and condescending on, on other people. That's wrong. We ought to walk in a humble way and have a, a mind that's of, uh, that has humility about it. And so that's what we preached on. And then preaching on prayer and preaching on repentance. So all in relation to this idea of revival. So we... We need to wrap it up here today on this series. But let me, I, I want to say this. We are so prone in our day and age to take verses out of context. We like to think that the Bible is about Woody Swenson. Did you know? You know, yeah, th- that kind of stuff that it's all about me. Now, we don't say it that way, that it's about, but subtly it's, it's kind of there. The Bible isn't about you. It's not about me. It's about God overall. And that's what we, when we come to it, that's what we want to do. God, speak to my heart. I need to hear from you. And it might mean there's some hard things that I have to understand and learn and swallow and deal with. It's not always about, um, you know, how I'm so happy in Jesus, you know, that's the result. That can be one of the results, but it's important that we understand, you know, you don't just take verses out of context. And this particular verse is one that Americans are really good at. Memorial Day, July 4th Day, National Prayer, uh, National Day of Prayer Day. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, you know, all that. And then heal their land. I will heal their land. All that is like, we've turned that into America. Well, if that's what we're thinking, we are wrong. We're wrong. Okay? If we're going to do an honest evaluation of that verse, you have to take it in context, right? So we have our review under letter uh, 1A and our reminder a reminder, it's in the context. And so here on your outline, you can follow. Here's the outline of the idea of what's behind Second Chronicles 7.14. It's about a king that wanted to build a temple. And God said to him, no, you're not going to. Your son is going to. And that's Solomon. Solomon comes in and Solomon builds a temple. And notice Here's the breakdown of it. You can see it. We're not going to go through this each step of the way, but that's there for you to understand. It's so easy to grab this verse. And and by the way, we'll see more of this verse sent out by well-meaning groups of, uh, you know, Christians regarding the election. You know, I, I'm sure it'll be popping up more that this this verse Second Chronicles seven fourteen ought to be you know here's America. But it's directed to Israel, God's chosen people. That's not America. That's Israel. Okay. And so it's like maybe in your mind you're thinking, well, why bother with it then? 
well, there are important principles that we want to understand from it. Okay? But this, this flow of the context of Second Chronicles, not just from chapter 7, but previously and flowing into it, we see that there's an actual temple being built. And what's the purpose of this temple? Serve mainly as a reminder of God's covenant to God's people. So, in this, he says, if, there you, there you go, here's the condition to them. God's made a covenant that's not going to be a, um, a flighty thing. It's a promise that won't be broken. Okay, that's a, a covenant promise to God's people. Okay? And this temple, it's stunningly beautiful. If we were to, you know, be able to put a picture of it up there, it's just incredibly beautiful. And Solomon, he understands that even after having built the thing, that there's no man-made building that could contain God. He understood that because he mentioned that. If you're in Second Chronicles, I guess I should have told you, turn there. <laughs> Second Chronicles, if you haven't turned there, turn there. If you're needing to use a Bible in the pew before you, uh, it's page 362 and 363. Um, we're going to look at Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6, verse 18. Look at what he says. But will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Okay? That, that's a theological understanding of, of God there. You know, we built this beautiful temple, and now God's going to dwell there. Well, that's not totally true. Okay? So, the building of the temple. It's for Israel. It's for God's people. Yet, there are life principles for all of God's people, Christians in this day and age, spiritual life principles to apply. And that's what we are really dealing with in this topic on revival is spiritual life. How is your spiritual life? How is yours? Now, I I tend, as a pastor, I can tend to throw everyone, you know, not everyone, but throw a lot of people as Christians into one category and say, oh, they're just kind of doing nothing. And thus I think they're not really living for the Lord. Well, I don't know that. But it's a concern amongst Christians that we are walking in the light of God's Word, that our spiritual life is alive, not just something from 20 years ago. I could say, oh, I went to camp and I made profession of faith at camp. Well, great. The Bible isn't saying to you, depend on what you did five years ago or two years ago or 20 years ago. It's saying, walk with him now. Walk with him today. Present tense ongoing. Okay? So we, we say, you know what? We have, we, we are a people that can say we have learned a lot, point number one. We've learned a lot. We ought to be learning more. That's good. To grow in the grace and the, what? The knowledge 
of Jesus Christ. But point number two is, what are you to practice? I think that's on the back of your outline. What What are you supposed to practice? And I think that from what we've talked about and from this passage in Second Chronicles 7.14, we can see there's at least two things that we ought to be practicing in, in categories. So spiritual disciplines, that's like, for saying, uh, for most of us, that's like, oh, that's basic. That's basic stuff, okay? Spiritual disciplines. And we've, we've tracked through these. We walked through these topics in the last couple of months. Humility. Humility is when, listen, humility is when I, you and I acknowledge Jesus as Lord. When we put it in simple terms, I'm acknowledging, not just a, a fact that I understand from the past, but I acknowledge it here and now, Jesus is Lord. That's humbling myself. That's humbling yourself. That's the idea. Jesus is King. He is King. He is the coming king. And we worship him as king. We don't bow down to others. We bow down to Jesus as king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. We bow down to his rule and reign in our lives. That's the idea of submission, right? Spiritual disciplines. And this is the, uh, still just the issue of humility. In light of the truth of who he is, I admit my weakness. I admit my true need. Okay? You know, if... Um, there, there's a lot of illustrations that can be put in here, but when you admit your true need to a doctor, he's hopefully going to give you the right prescription. Right? You admit the... Uh, you know, some of you uh, that have had pretty severe accidents... Well, it's, it's something that you, you freely admit you have a need for the doctor. You know, we've mentioned uh, the, the, some of the folks with cancer. You don't go into the doctor and say, well, no, I don't have cancer. No, I do have. You admit the need that you have. I don't care who you are or where, what background you're from. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. Your doctor is a sinner. Your teacher is a sinner. You're... Your uh, banker is a sinner. Your mayor is a sinner. The mayor's city council, they're sinners. The school board, they're sinners. Your pastor is a sinner. Your pastors are sinners. All that. And, and it's like, why, why do we act like we got our act together? I mean, I know... Uh, I want to I stress this importance of, you know what... It's identifying with the servant in Luke chapter 17. We're just unworthy, unprofitable servants. We, we do what we're told. That's the idea, right? We want to do what we're told. And so we, we come across saying, hey, I, I'm an unworthy servant. We've done only what was our duty. That's the idea in humility. Prayer. Prayer is another discipline, right? Uh, talking, communicating with God who knows all things before I even say it. So why pray? A lot of it's for you and me. A lot of it is, is really about you and I. 
demonstrating a dependent heart. There's humility again. Seek his face. Seek his face. Uh, This is another spiritual discipline. Seek his face. You say, well, I thought that was part of prayer. Well, yeah, I believe so. There's a number, a string of pearls, as we like to say, a string of pearls from the scriptures that talk about seeking God's face. Why don't we say, it's like, you know, when grandpa showed up at my house, I didn't really seek grandpa's face. I was seeking grandpa's hand. You know what I mean? It's what grandpa had for me. Grandpa was a big-hearted giver. (laughs) Here, you know, gifts or whatever. Well, it's like that's what we tend to do with God. Hey, what do you got for me? No, no, no. Seek God's face here. Psalm, just if you want to, jot these references down. Psalm 27, verse 8. My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Psalm 4, verse 6. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. And then that great um, prayer that uh, known, you know, from the Israeli people in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Psalm 69, verse 16 through 18. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Redeem me because of my foes. So it's mentioned numerous times about seeking God's face. And there's something behind this. It's not merely a thing that, oh, I know the Lord, so I seek His face. It's more than that. I think it's more than just knowing Him as your Lord and Savior. It's the idea that we see the connection to the New Testament saying, seek my face, seek my glory. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. If we were to have done a more exhaustive study, I think it would help us, but we only, we're only doing this amount right now. Okay? But I want to encourage you, go into it deeper. Look into it deeper. Christians are supposed to seek God's face. And what does it say here? Starting at verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. This ministry he's referring to, if we're looking at the context, it's about the new covenant. The new covenant versus the old covenant. The old covenant had limitations. The old covenant was a bunch of uh, types and shadows pointing to the Messiah who would fulfill and bring about the new covenant. And here, look at verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus as Lord, 
with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Okay? Now, we know God is spirit. John chapter 4 says, God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. Don't let anyone talk you into the fact that God has a body. God is spirit. However, Christ put on a body in the incarnation. Here he is. And I believe he showed up physically in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And here he was born as a, a, a baby, just like each one of us, born of, of a mother. Here's a virgin mother, Mary. And she gave birth to Jesus. And Jesus, you know, grew up as a little baby, grew up as a young boy, onto a young man. And that's the truth of the incarnation. God put on a body, made flesh. That's the idea of incarnation, made flesh. And so when we look to Jesus at who he really is, who are you seeing? You know the answer. You're not seeing a nice guy, a great teacher, a great prophet. You're looking at who? God. God in a body. God incarnate. Seems like then seeking his face really means that life ought to be about a pursuit. We're not just talking about pray and seek his face. That It's about prayer. Yes, prayer needs to be um, without, without end. Just pray without ceasing, right? Pray without ceasing. Seek his face is the side that I believe says pursue him. Keep pursuing him. Keep looking to him. It's a life pursuit. The life purpose is to seek his face, to gain his what? His approval. And oh, that kicks up ideas in our minds. Of, uh, I better be better then. I, I, I'm a, I've been a Christian for 20 years. I better clean up my act and gain God's per- approval, right? No. Why? Why? I have someone's righteousness. Whose righteousness? As a believer, I have the the righteousness of Christ. End of discussion about approval. I've already been approved, if you will, through the righteousness of Christ. But we have to come back to this question. What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing in life? And so this is... I, I took more time with this business of seek his face because... It is something that we kind of uh, wash together with the idea of prayer. Prayer and seek His face. So, ask yourself, these are, this is one, one question that you carry with you the rest of today and keep asking, what is it I'm really pursuing? I get it that, you know, we're supposed to, you know, work hard and put money away and save up, you know, for retirement and all that stuff. I get that. But that's not the only thing. You know, we're to be pursuing Christ and His honor and His glory, right? Then the, uh, the last one that we have, really, of these spiritual disciplines is repentance. 
Brennan did an excellent job last week of preaching on that. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, listen to Brennan's message from last week, July 24, on our website. Um, just turning from your wicked ways. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. You say, what? We all, you know, we all mess up. Hey, we're all sinners. You just said it, Woody. But I keep coming back. Stop sinning. If you're a believer, you've been, the chains are gone. You've been freed from that burden. You don't have to sin. We do. We end up sinning. And it shows, here's why, even more of why I need revival in my heart, which that's what the Old Testament is saying. New Testament says, abide. New Testament says, confess. Keep walking with Him. So, Romans chapter 6 talks about this issue of not sinning. You know, grace has set us free. So, then letter 2B, under number, point number 2 is spiritual dependence. What, what the writer says here back in 2 Chronicles 7, going back to that passage, what he says here is a bunch of, uh, here's, here's a, a number of promises um, if you do this, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Those three things. And I, I understand this to drive us towards spiritual dependence in our lives. The older you get, the more you realize the importance of dependence in, in the Lord. Coming out of college, I can remember thinking I, I did my stuff, I, 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 was, I was raring to go, and that subtle attitude of pride just kicks up so quickly, so easily. And it causes me not to depend on the, the strength and the power of the Lord on a daily basis, because, hey, I, I know what to do, I know what to say. Come on, you know, I'm ready to go. I want to serve the Lord. All behind that guise of serving the Lord. But uh, many times I wasn't really being dependent upon Him. And that's the issue at hand in, in the idea of revival. It comes back to, am I depending on the Lord? This idea of dependence is where all of life as a Christian is based on God and His work and you trusting in His work. You trusting in what He's already done. Each step of your life, each situation, each stress, each crisis, each joy and happiness, each one... We keep coming back to trusting Him and depending on Him. Remembering that God is sovereign over all the affairs of life. And so God here, He's visited Solomon and He says to Solomon here that He, God will hear from heaven. Will God hear you when you pray? Yes. However... If you regard sin in your life, will He hear? If you're regarding sin in your life, will He hear? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 66, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So the, the remedy, Proverbs 28:13, He who conceals his sin, harbors his sin, will not what? Prosper. 
But he who confesses it and forsakes them will have mercy. Those are important things to remember in this idea that, well, God hears my prayers. Yes. However, if you or I are harboring or concealing sin, something's wrong. And we got problems. So, but God holds to His promise and His word. Okay? He says, and I will forgive their sin. God is a merciful God. And then He says, and I will heal their land. Now, this is in regards to what, what was Israel really dependent upon? Well, they're supposed to be dependent on God, but they're very dependent on their land, just like many other nations during that time, agricultural lands or or nations, depending on the agriculture. The life of Israel was really all wrapped up in the land. But if they strayed and rebelled against God, God would judge them by allowing a drought or something else to happen to cause them to turn and look to the Lord. So I look at these things. He, he will hear from heaven. He will forgive their sin. He will heal their land. I look at these as blessings from God that He gives to His children. And each blessing given here by God is related to, is revealing what? God's goodness. God's faithfulness. God's trustworthiness. And many times that gets clouded up. We don't, we don't see... We don't connect it with God's goodness and God's faithfulness. We need to remember, these things are here so that we'll see how good God is. How merciful God is. Okay? So, um, what does it come down to? Point number three, what must happen? We say, well, here's... Here's what I've learned. Here's what I ought to be practicing. Spiritual disciplines and spiritual dependency on Him. But what must happen? What must happen? That's where the emphasis is. What must happen is that there needs to be... And we go to our memory verse. Okay? Colossians 1.9 That there'd be a spirit of wisdom and understanding that we would be concerned about. Enough to pray about it for everyone. That's really, here's the priority of prayer, is that we're praying for our young people to grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. What's, what's with that? Well, you know, it's important that you see life through the lens of Scripture. See life from God's perspective. You understand more when we, when we are looking at God's Word and letting that be our, 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 the lens that we look at life through. Okay. I I thought of um, I thought of a dog. You know, um, we all like puppies. You know, they use puppies in advertising all the time. It seems like not all the time, but a lot of times. But if if you were to uh, walk out, um, like at nighttime, I, I walk out of the the doors here, and it's dark. And if I were to see a Rottweiler. Say, oh, there's a dog. But if that Rottweiler was running, then there'd be a little switch. But if it was running at me, 
then it'd be a huge switch. I'd be clawing at the door to get back in or something, right? There's, it's not just knowledge. Oh, there's a dog. It's a big dog. Now it's understanding. It's a perception that is clear. This dog is coming after me. Some of you runners or even you guys riding the bikes, you know, you get it. <laughs> you know. So, and this is the way it is in life. But all, all too often, our perception is about ourselves. Oh, I can handle this. I'll just do this because I want to do it my way. And that's a wrong response. So there's got to be spiritual understanding. When we grow in the knowledge of God's Word and put it into practice, it leads to spiritual understanding. Right? And that's what we need. That's why we say, here's Colossians 1.9. Important enough for you and I to memorize and know. Let's pray for spiritual wisdom and understanding for one another. All too often is, oh, please bless, please bless. What do you mean by that? Well, I want, I want things to go well for them. Really? Well, yeah, we all want things to go well for each other. But let's pray for spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what Scripture lifts up as an example of prayer. And letter 3B, what must happen? Not just spiritual understanding, but now spiritual dynamic. Okay? Spiritual dynamic. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. We mentioned... Uh, verse 9, okay, about prayer. We haven't ceased to pray f- uh, for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all, what's that? For all endurance. And patience with joy. That's where it gets personal. So that you are enduring. That you've got this. Here's this endurance and patience with joy. And by believe me, that's what God's Spirit will bring about when He's in control. When He's filled you with His Spirit. So what is revival all about? We just stir up the crowd and, hey, everybody, let's sing. And we, you know, we want people to be concerned about the country. The New Testament gives us passages to say, you pray for your leaders. But there's no promise that our land, America, will be healed. There's no promise of that. But when God's people do what they're supposed to do. Humble themselves. Humble themselves. Not lift themselves up. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Okay? Those are principles we need to have in action when it comes to our country. But there's no... It's not no promise that God's going to heal America or Croatia or France or whatever. He promised that to His people, Israel. If we as believers would put to, put to practice 
the issues at hand here, these spiritual disciplines, I think it would make a huge difference. And please, yes, let's continue to pray. Pray, pray for our leaders. Pray for our state leaders, our local leaders, for Ken. And pray. When you get bugged about something, pray that God would do His work in our leaders. Okay? So, what is revival about? It's being revived. Duh! It's being livened up to the realities of Christ. The realities of His actual work in us and through us. Not just what we've heard, but in you. If you're a believer, yes, the Spirit of God resides in you. God wants to do that work of conforming you to the image of His Son. Spiritual life, listen, is not static. Spiritual life is not stagnant. And that's what's happened to many of us. Some of you, you've been stagnant, not doing anything, not involved in in, in coming back to the Word and saying, God, speak to my heart. Spiritual life is growing, is changing, is stretching. It hurts sometimes, but it's stimulating and its result is a great joy. Spiritual life is powerful because it will help you to say no to sin. To say no to the temptations. To turn the TV off or to turn the internet off or to bow in prayer. To say no to bad habits. Say, this is the power of the gospel in my life. And you give God the glory. So what is revival? The key at the bottom of your outline, it's a changed heart. And only God can do that, my friend. Religion and all the stuff that religion puts forth, religion won't do it. The power of God will. And Romans 1.16 says the power of God is where? With the gospel. It's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. So God help us as we think about, you know, we, we like the idea of a revival. Oh, there's been a revival. Woo! Many times it just ends after the end of the day. Like that was that. So God says, where are you? God says this, where are you? And I close with this. If you're a Christian, where you are ought to be on the vine. The vine is not going to die out you know that? John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you're a branch and you're off doing your own thing, uh, you're going to shrivel up. You will shrivel up. When you're connected to the vine, there's joy. There's vitality. There's where revival... Oh, here's the, the working of the Spirit of God. I, I need to go to this person and, and talk to them and say... I. I need to ask forgiveness of you. That's spiritual life. That's, that's a part of... There's so many other things. When you do things God's way. Where are you, Christian? Where are you at? Are you in the vine? Are you receiving that life-flowing work that only God gives?
Let's stand together and close. Just bow in prayer. I'm going to read a couple of things and then we'll pray and be done. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And Lord, we do, we bow before you to say thank you for you and thank you for sending Jesus to die in our place. Thank you for the, the liberty and the freedom that we have in Christ. Thank you for the overcoming power that's ours in Christ to say no to sin and to say yes to Jesus. Lord, this is your work. Help us to remain or to abide where you put us. You brought us out from darkness and placed us into the light, into the beloved kingdom of your Son. And Lord, uh, please help us in being where we ought to be, receiving the life-giving power of Jesus, abiding in the vine. Dear God, do your great work, and we will praise you for it. And we thank you again for each person here. Please, God, may we be drawn to submit to you, point out those areas in our lives where we are resistant, where we've been hard-hearted, and help us to lay it down before you and to rejoice in you. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.